hello and welcome back to the tailgate talk my name is cole we are here uh on october 25th it's another glorious nfl sunday here i am checking in from texas we are joined by uh a few handsome gentlemen first uh we'll introduce the boys uh here we have our our the brainchild the owner the uh the founder of this whole thing scott in back in massachusetts how we doing pal Good, you know, the CEO life is treating me well, but you know, the stress of loss will comes along with that. So, I don't know. It's a nice vice to have when uh, when I get some free time. So I'm enjoying this. Heck yeah! There you go. Well, uh, co-hosting with us is uh, Evan Costello. He's our uh, Arkansas correspondent. How are you doing there? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Can't complain. No complaints. There you go. Did you hear me the first time I said it? No. Say it again. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we are also joined by a special guest, a longtime friend of ours, uh, another veteran in the industry as well, uh, Syracuse graduate. He, uh, he's a wizard on the microphone as well, so we are pleased to be joined by our paisano, Anthony Mazzini. How you doing, bud? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can live up to that. Wow, I mean, I wasn't expecting that sort of introduction, but very thankful and very grateful and, you know, glad to be talking some sports paisano. this morning. Sounds like Dominic the Donkey. Well, you know, talking about paisanos, we uh, we got. Uh, I'm very I'm very glad to have Anthony on on this week's show because uh, he is a an announcer. He did some play by play for uh, the ACC, the Ivy League. Yeah, ACC, Ivy League, Patriot League, a uh, little bit of Division three stuff, futures collegiate baseball stuff. A little bit of little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Syracuse grad, Milford grad. Uh, so we are joined by Anthony. Wizard on the microphone. Want to talk to you about another wizard on the microphone, Joe Buck. Uh, we saw his uh, kind of talent schedule, I guess you could call it, going between the World Series and primetime football. So, kind of just take us through a little bit of kind of the behind the scenes, I guess, and kind of all the work that goes into every single game and and how impressive this kind of stretch is. Well, it starts even before that. It starts with the uh, divi- uh, excuse me, the championship series with um, the Braves and Dodgers before that. And then he took that Sunday game off. Joe Davis uh, did that game for Fox while he did uh, a game on Fox on Sunday. And then he basically trans- transitioned right into the World Series. So this has been, this is always his busiest month because he calls the football on Sundays and then baseball, but especially right now with everything just being so packed. And usually with baseball, you'd have the two games and the day off and then two games and a day off. This year, they just played it straight out, the World Series being a little different. But it's been absolutely insane. Uh, anyone that has critical comments about Joe Buck, I personally don't understand them um, because he is one of the best in the business, in my opinion, uh, not only the way he calls a game, but also the way that um, he balances out his schedule. It's, it's a remarkable run. Baseball is a little bit easier because it's the same two teams – and you're basically just kind of throughout the course of a season, you basically write chapters of a book. So the world series is basically just one big chapter and each day you're writing a different page. So it kind of builds off each other. Some of the storylines you're talking about in game two come from game one, but football, I mean, he's doing a two different teams on a Thursday and a Sunday, all the prep, all the coaches calls, uh, player interviews, if possible, talking with your producers, talking with your sideline reporter, it's it's the amount of preparation that goes into it for the football standpoint is definitely more for the baseball standpoint, but it's still a incredible run with very little off time. A lot of flights. I saw something he had private planes just to avoid the the travel and stuff in case to 
uh, you know, you can't travel commercial and potentially miss a flight because then you might miss a game. Mm. So a lot of COVID testing, uh, a lot of flying, uh, private plane, but um, that's why he's one of the best in the business. I don't know if you heard last night, but uh, during the game three of the World Series, he called Max Muncy Twinkle Toes Muncy. And that didn't get a lot of good traction on Twitter, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if he's like kind of digging his own grave, grave with all those uh, terms for players that he just comes up with on the fly. But I mean, like you said, he's one of the best in the business and I feel like he has the ability to do that. Well, yeah. When you're in it for that long, it's almost like a beard, right? When you're, when, or for you, I see you have a mustache, Scott, which is just absolutely outlandish. I don't know where this has come from. Love it. I love uh, it. I mean, I'm a mustache guy myself, but I'm not, you know, it's kind of early in the morning hey, on a it's Saturday. November, almost. It's I, almost November. I know, okay. but to be on at 10 o'clock in the morning and seeing Scott with a mustache kind of wanted to make, <laughs> makes me want to go back to bed. But um, it, it is a lot. Definitely no, but, a lot. But like the main point is like when you're in this business for long enough, you kind of start to get some of the perks. Um, you know, Doc Emmerich, I think we're going to talk about him in a couple of minutes. He had, you know, schedule privileges and stuff. He can kind of pick and choose some of the things he wants, uh, travel accommodations, scheduling accommodations. When you're in it for that long, you get some perks. So for Joe Buck, I mean, he kind of can get away with some of this stuff now. He's, and I've seen comments too, that early in his career, he was very strict about calling the game as it was. Personality didn't shine through as much. There was that in instance, I think it was game one or game two, the fan caught the fly ball uh, in the stands and on the back it said, nice swing, bitch, or something like that. And Joe Buck made some sort of comment like that. Early in his career, he's probably like, oh, my God, what just happened? I'm, I'm going to miss the 2-1 pitch now. Like, what's going on? But he played into the situation. He's starting to show that personality a little more. He works well with John Smoltz. So, I mean, he's, you know, maybe twinkle toes Muncie wasn't the, the best phrase he could have used in that situation. I unfortunately didn't catch the game last night, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's nice to see him kind of, you know, it, it's about entertaining too. You're calling a game, but you're also trying to, you know, entertain the fans. If there's one sport that you kind of need to provide some entertainment, it would be baseball. It's a, it's a long haul, three hours, maybe four hours, somewhere in between that action is limited. So you got to provide some sort of commentary, some comedy besides the game to, you know, lighten it up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned Doc Emmerich there. Uh, on, we got some sad news that uh, the, the possibly the GOAT uh, hockey broadcaster, play-by-play -play broadcaster will be retiring. Uh, he just called a, a great uh, Stanley Cup between Tampa Bay and Dallas. So talk about, I, I mean, was, was he kind of, yeah, was he kind of one of the guys that you looked up to when you were kind of entering the field Anthony I watched and still do watch Doc Emmerich highlights before every hockey game I do nearly every hockey game I can't say every because there are a few that you're kind of working <laughs> right up to the last minute and I, I forget but when I have the chance I watch <clears throat> Doc Emmerich highlights before every game every hockey game that I do um, he's he's the best at it I don't know if there ever will be another Doc Emmerich I mean he's the guy that we grew up with every Stanley Cup you had the occasional uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday Bruins game that we would watch or something on NBC Sports. So he's the best. Uh, I think they have some good options to replace him, whether they go outside or from within the NBC family. I was very impressed with Peter Forsland and the work he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. It's a little sad because you could tell that it he was still great, but it wasn't his best because he was working remotely. I believe he was back yeah. home in Michigan doing it. So he was behind on a lot of goal calls, and that's going to happen when you're working remote. Scars! 
but he, but he was still right on. I mean, you're right, Evan. Like it, it wasn't as noticeable for him as it would have been for someone who wasn't as seasoned. Um, but it's sad to know that he didn't probably go out the way he would have wanted to go out. Um, you know, with that the elaborate goal call right at the end, you know, right on bang, boom, goal, you know, whatever, but he was still absolutely phenomenal. I think someone said it that nobody calls chaos better than Doc Emmerich. Hockey is hockey's hard enough to play, but it is, in my opinion, the hardest sport to you have baseball that's limited action. How do I fill this time versus hockey where by the time I say that Pasternak has the puck, it's already two passes and Marshawn scoring right outside the crease. So it's like Marshawn takes the puck, brings it to Grizzly. Grizzly shoots it and scores. I think NBC if it, if NBC is listening, I think we have the replacement for Doc right there. He's, that, that, was, was, that was pretty spot on. That actually was pretty good, considering One that was thing right is for there. sure that Joe Buck cannot do it. I mean, I've never been a Joe Buck guy until, like, very recently because he's just actually kind of a good guy. But I think the reason that everybody hated him is because, like, he first got his start at a very, very young age, and his father is a legendary commentator, much like him at this point. So everyone was kind of like, you know, who is this kid? He's just riding the coattails of his father. And then, like, now in, like, a couple of interviews, and I think he came out with a book, he said something like, I know. You know, like, that's who I was, and I used that for good because, like, I actually have talent. But um, I'm not going to lie. Even though I was never a Joe Buck guy, um, his hard knock into right uh, back-at-the-wall tie game when David Ortiz hit the Grand Slam, I could tear up watching that like that is probably one of my favorite highlight videos in, in all of sports history especially boston sports history because like no it just it's such a simple line like just the roaring tie game right when it goes over the cop's head oh hell yeah that's the best literally the best line ever the rajay davis home run against chapman mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago what was it 17 16 16, 16. uh Indians and uh, Cubs. That was another good one. Even the, yep. it was a simple call and I, I would wonder if it was pre-scripted or not, but when another Ortiz home run, Oh four, Robert stole the base. They tied the game. Uh, you know, that was another just simple call. Bill Miller has tied it, stuff like that. But then Ortiz hit the home run in extras and it was just very simple. Back goes Sheffield. We'll see you tomorrow night. Like it's just very simple. And it's like, at this point it's after midnight, like that's a that's a great call. It doesn't have to always be the tie game or anything like that. It can be very simple. Um, you know, it, it, they always say your final call should be a headline in the newspaper. I mean, love Cole, that. you would know a lot about that. Yeah, being a, that. a reporter stuff. <laughs> we'll see. Like you could put a picture of Ortiz hitting that home run with the caption. We'll see you tomorrow night. Like that I is absolutely that. phenomenal. But I could understand why that the nepotism, I guess you could call it, of you know, his father being this big announcer and then Joe Buck being, you know, right behind him. Does he deserve it? Does he not deserve it? Whatever. If you have those connections, use them to your advantage. If you're not good at your job, you have a, you know, people can be critical because. Troy Aikman, are you listening? Chris Collinsworth, are you listening? Oh, Chris Collinsworth's <laughs> great. But my, he's the worst. Oh, Holy I love him. Shit, the, Collins, the, the Collinsworth slide. I love that. I love but, the Collinsworth you know, slide. That's such a that. shame that the Cowboys that. Every time Here's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> because like, when I saw his ankle break, it kind of looked like an injury. And it reminds me of when I played in the NFL. You know, the Yankees and the Red Sox are great football teams as well. It's to score right through the – right into the net. Yeah. 
Well, good if you want to criticize him talking about injuries, you got to criticize Tony Romo then for saying Dak Prescott had a cramp in his leg when he broke well, his he, ankle. Right. He's an good idiot. I, I think I only like Tony, Tony Romo because – Yeah, I like Tony Romo because, like – I don't know, Jim. It's going to be close. He had, like, a one-year contract, and he'd be like, all right, uh, watch this. He's going to throw a, a button hook to the right first down, and then Tom Brady would do the exact same thing. He'd be like, Dak is going to look deep to Amari Cooper right here on third and 13. Exactly <laughs> happened. Like, no other guy can do that. And I don't care what you say about Troy Aikman. That guy's an idiot. And I hate Chris Collinsworth so very much. He is the worst. All right. Just, so I think we're going to take that into football. We're, we've talked enough about announcers now. We can uh, dive into this NFL slate here uh, later today. Uh, Evan, I guess first you want to go back on uh, – we were kind of talking off air. Uh, Eagles Giants, you have to find a new toilet bowl game because this one already happened. But uh, did you watch the Thursday night game there? Um, I couldn't have given. I, I think I'd rather watch the Bachelorette rerun than watch this game. This game sucked. This game was my toilet bowl game 100%. The fact that the Philadelphia was only favored by three and a half at home to Daniel Jones doesn't make like that. That should tell you how terrible this game is. I had the Eagles the entire time, but uh, I like that new guy, Fulgham. That guy's really, really good. Um, Daniel Jones, bro, lose the goddamn trailer. Like, did anybody see him eat shit at the 90-yard line after an 80-yard run? Like, That happens to the best I, of us, though. I mean, like, you could just speak go for yourself, Scott. I mean, no, <laughs> it happened to me. Oh, I wouldn't I be surprised. Playing, playing club baseball, and I hit a bomb, like – probably 360. Subtle brag. The, no, this isn't a brag when, when I finish this. But, I hit a bomb um, and I, yeah. But <laughs> I, as I was rounding first, I fell flat into the bag. And I hit awesome. scorpions. And the umpire made the safe call, even though there was no throw at first base. Like, I could have easily gotten two out of it, but uh, it's kind of fun. I love those pictures when you sent it to us. That, that made my day when, when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> no balance whatsoever. Hey, right. It, it happens to the best of us. Uh, Eagles narrowly uh, lost, but either way, uh, that NFC East division is literally the worst division in football. So, one hundred percent. I think that's about all I we need to say about that wait, Thursday wait, 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 night wait. game. Hold time out, time out. I want to say one nice thing about each of the teams because okay. I feel like I have to because they deserve it. This guy, Blake Martinez. He's currently second in the league for all tackle. Wow. Like, that's pretty good. I mean, he has 64 tackles on the year, and it's week and seven. from the Cowboys, that's, I think, right? Is that the same no, Martinez? J no, that's a different Martinez. But there is a guy named Jalen Smith who's on the Cowboys who has one less tackle than him on the year. So, I mean, like, granted that they're rarely on offense because it usually ends in a fucking three and out. But, like, he that, – that's some, there's something to be said for that. And then this guy, Brandon Graham, is fourth in the league in sacks. So that's, I mean, they got a couple pieces. I love Boston Scott purely for his name, yep, but he pl he's playing in the wrong city. Um, this game sucked, but because it already happened, I'm going to pick a different toilet bowl game that we'll talk about later. So this is just the the, kind of the yeah. first of the, of the new some, slates. Some uh, precursor. Precursor, yes, to the, to the big games. We're, we're working up to it. Uh, Saints, Panthers um, in New Orleans. I'm taking the Saints. I don't think the Panthers are really going to do much uh, down there on the road. Don't forget that the Saints are without Michael Thomas. and um, Again? Don't care. No, yeah, he's back. He's, no, he's back. 
You sure? I thought I saw he, he was out with somebody else. He got one game, but now he's back. No, but I thought he, he was out with, like, somebody. an injury. No, he's back, but he came back on to practice, and then he fucks – like, he fought some guy. And then he got suspended. And then he, Sean Payton was like, I do not care. Oh, no, Michael Thomas is out. He is out. Oh, he's yeah, out, And Emmanuel Sanders. Saints yeah. have ruled out Michael Thomas' uh, hamstring slash ankle for Sunday's game against the Panthers, according to ESPN Fantasy Football. Yeah, but he got suspended. Did anyone else hear about no. him? Yeah, so he, he missed last game for disciplinary reasons. Yes, it wasn't an injury that he missed the game last week. I remember them talking about that. But it was so disciplinary that make sense in the that reporting. They, that he missed the game. Why would so they say Schechter, that? Schefter tweeted out last night that they placed Emmanuel Sanders on the uh, COVID list. That's but great. he also said that yeah. Michael Thomas was out too. Sanders won't be eligible to return from the reserve slash COVID-19 list until after the Saints week eight game in Chicago. Catherine Terrell of The Athletic reports. So good, thing, right. the guy, good thing the guy I'm playing in fantasy this week has both Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. He already, <laughs> lost, big. He already lost Joe Mixon. So, Damn. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say I'm going to win, but that's – I dumped know. Drew Brees. I got rid of him. I picked up – I picked up Matt Stafford instead. Like, I, and I, I obviously, don't I don't mean that to say that I, I hope that Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas are okay, but just looking in the obviously. short term, I would like uh, – another win in fantasy would be ideal. Yeah, I would agree. But, um, all right, so this is the first game that we're going to talk about in the 1 o'clock time slot on Sunday. Uh, the Saints are coming off a bye week, and the Panthers just lost to the uh, – let's, let's be real, they're a fraudulent team, the Bears. Um, this is a weird-ass game. This is a really weird game. If I were a gambling man, I would stay very far away from this game because New Orleans is favored by seven and a half at home. That's kind of a lot because the Panthers are pretty good. Um, Saints need this win, and so do the Panthers. But um, what do you guys think about Teddy? Now that he, like, because I shit on him every single week because I don't think he's the guy, but he's and I've he's defended him good. every week because of his relationship yeah. with Matt Rule, and he's he's a, he's a decent dual threat quarterback, so he can kind of get the job done both ways. You know what I'm saying? I just don't understand how that justifies the price tag that he was signed at, though. Like, I mean, at the time that he was signed, I think Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and maybe – I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that there was another quarterback available at the time. Yeah. But Taysom like, Hill. Yeah, but either well, – you either, He's not I mean, a quarterback. But, Scott, bad quarterbacks get paid that kind of money sometimes. Sam Bradford gets paid true. money. I mean, um, you know, Sam Bradford was good early, but at the end of his career, he wasn't worth that contract. So, I mean, if, yeah. if you didn't sign him for that contract, somebody else is going to sign him. And then who are you left with as your quarterback? You're probably re-signing Kyle Luke Allen McCown. at that point. So, or James Winston or something like that. Well, he's not, but I'd say Teddy Bridgewater is better. One thing I want to say about the Panthers, and this is – if we're talking about fantasy teams, I hated him week one. I hated him week two. Loved him ever since. Robbie Anderson, currently second in the league with 566 yards receiving. He got out of the Jets – Caught a little dewy in Miami, but now we're back in Carolina. I love this guy solely because he had, does not score touchdowns, but all he gets is yards. For, uh, but I'm taking, um, I'm taking the, the Saints all day. Um, I love Mike Davis. Like, this is one of those weird teams where, like, their best player is gone, but he's coming back soon. But they've played so well without McCaffrey that it's kind of like – Kind of leaves with some question marks because it's like, how the hell are they doing so well without their best player and arguably the best running back in the league? Well, I've had a good defense for the most part of the year. I think that's kind of been a surprise mm -hmm. is, you know, you bring in Matt Rule, an offensive coach, comes from Baylor. All they do is throw in the Big 12. And you think, okay, they're going to upgrade the offense, but the defense has actually been 
one of the best parts uh, of that team so far. I'm still picking the Saints coming off the bye week. Uh, they're not healthy necessarily, but I think they're going to be more well-rested uh, on the guys they do have. Still have Alvin Kamara. Still have Latavius Murray. That guy. Uh, that guy. Traquan Smith has been good. He's going to have to be the number one guy, but he's still been pretty good. Um, and their defense Cameron Jordan as well. Uh, Cameron Jordan. So I'm going to pick the Saints at home. I, I think it's it, – this is one of those games I looked at this morning and I said it, I think it could go either way, but I still think it's going to be the Saints. Have you said the line was – the uh, the line was Saints by seven. Seven and a half at home. Seven and a half. I think I'm taking the yeah. over on that. I, I think that yeah. even without yeah. Michael Thomas and uh, Manuel Sanders, I think they're steamrolling this team. Because, so, I mean, Kamara can have that threat of uh, receiving out of the backfield. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to use Taysom Hill. Because, I mean, he could be <laughs> – he, he's like he's their Swiss Army knife. He could do anything. But, um, yeah, I, I think that Drew Brees is too much for that defense. So, if, if for me, I'd say pick the Panthers to cover the spread, but Saints to win. I think this could be a field goal, four-point game sort of thing, in yes. my opinion. In fact, in, in fact, Anthony, we usually pick scores, so I'm glad you mentioned that. This, I, I'm getting this game as like a 30-21 to 21 win for the Saints. I think they're going to steamroll them. Um, but I don't think they're going to cover. So speaking of which, which is a really fun spread that I would love to talk to you about, the Bills-Jets. Yes. Um, so the Bills yes. are coming off yes. a yes. really, really, really shitty couple of two weeks, but they have the bones to be leading in the AFC. They're just not. They got schedule fucked the past couple of weeks. Um, the Bills are currently favorited by 12 and a half on the road. Um, not enough. The way that I would like yeah, to describe this game, yeah. The way that I would like to describe this game is like when, and this never happened, but when a freshman kicker on the football team goes to the locker room and tries to get tape for one of the seniors, and then he gets bullied and then screamed at, and then he goes home and beats the shit out of his little brother or something crazy like that. Like that's what this is gonna be. So like, sounds Buffalo, like you're speaking from personal experience there. I don't have yeah, that brother. sounds very familiar. Um, but the way that this sounds like to me is that like Buffalo is going to murder this team. This is going to be like 43 to nothing. Like the, and I think I should give, I'm going to give two handshakes to the Jets right now. Cause the Jets have this guy on their team named Pierre Desir, who has three intercept interceptions so far, which is third in the league. And I want to give a handshake to Adam Gase because he's doing a lot more for the NFL than you think he is. Because thanks to him, a lot of backup quarterbacks are going to get plenty of reps. <laughs> That's something to be said for that. When you see – um, yeah. When you see Brian Hoyer come out for the fucking Pats when we play him twice, you'll know who to thank for him to get extra film. But um, I love Stephon Diggs on the Bills. He, he fits in there so well. He's currently third in the league in receiving. Josh Allen is fourth in total yards and second in total passing touchdowns. Um, the, the Bills are good. As a Patriots fan, I'm scared. As a fan of football, I love it because when the Bills do good, we all do good. Um, I literally don't have anything to say about the Jets. The Jets are just a miserable dumpster fire. And Adam Gase, how he has a job makes me feel better that I have a job in COVID because, like, I am I can be incompetent on some days. I'm not incompetent every day like Adam Gase. So. Does, does Darnold coming back matter? Does that change things at all or no? Not at all. No. God, no. No. Evan, not, against, not against the, the Bills, the anyway. 
you hit the nail the the nail right on the head with uh, saying that Gase is doing a lot for the rest of the league. I don't think he's doing much for that Jets team because every time yeah. someone plays him, it's like an automatic win just because he doesn't know how to run fucking defense. Not at all. I think I saw something though that one of the reasons they're maybe keeping him around is because they have so many young guys. What at, at this point of the year, what benefit does it have to get rid of a coach and bring in a new guy? start with an interim. I mean, at this point, you're going to have some of these guys, Sam Darnold included, who could have, you know, a brand new head coach right in the middle of the year. Maybe it's the interim. Maybe he stays at the beginning of next year. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe they bring someone else new. It's like you're, you could have potentially three coaches within the span of six months, seven months. Like, what benefit mm-hmm. is that? And that's not my own thought. There- I saw that somewhere else. I think it was ESPN. I think Diana Rossini was saying something like that. But mm-hmm. it's like, what there- benefit – does that have to have potentially three coaches telling a quarterback, this is what you should do. This is what you should do within the span of eight months. There is no benefit because Adam Gase literally ruined Darnold and a couple other players' careers because like, so Darnold in his, this is, he's about, this is his four year option and he sucks. It's, it's not his fault, but he sucks. And the, like the jets are going to be put in a position where they're going to have no other choice, but to go with Trevor Lawrence. And if I were Trevor Lawrence, I'd be like, ah, I'm going to graduate. I'm going back to Clemson, yet. for sure. Yeah, I don't need it. Yeah, I don't need to go there. I'd play club soccer for a year to make sure that I don't <laughs> go to the fucking Jets. Like, it's, it's embarrassing. It's honestly embarrassing. And, I mean, I, I don't hear anything. I have a lot of Jets fan friends. I don't hear a single word from them because I don't think they're fans of the team anymore. Like, it's, I, I sincerely mean that. They are a dumpster fire. Bills by a fucking thousand. One of the things that I never understood to Anthony's point was that I just don't understand how somebody can have such a quick turnaround with who is their coach because they need to have the philosophy in mind and draft to that and get to see people mature and play into that, that view. And, you know, whether it's football or European football, (laughs) soccer, like I, I just don't understand how you can expect somebody to come in and like almost use somebody else's pieces to, to win. Like you, you need to kind of cater that to your philosophies. Well, one place that has uh, has had plenty of head coaching turnovers is in Cleveland. Uh, that's the next game we're going to talk about is the Browns and the Bengals. Uh, I guess kind of both of these teams have had some some good turnover there. But um, Browns are, are, are looking pretty good all of a sudden, and uh, Joe Burrow is still kind of finding his feet as a rookie. So uh, I'm definitely taking the Browns here um, on the road even still. Um, this is like we were talking earlier. Yeah, I was going to say, well, ooh, really? That much? I was going to say that this is another one of those games that could go either way for me because I, you said that, um, you know, still finding their way a little bit. The Bengals, I think, are starting to find their way in some respects. I mean, look at that receiving core now. Tyler Boyd out of Pittsburgh, he's been, re- he's been good for the last couple of years. But, you know, working out of that slot with Joe Burrow now, I think he's done some pretty good things. Uh, Higgins, the guy they got from Clemson this year, took him a couple of games to get going, but he's put up some really big games. And then, I mean, you're not going to leave AJ Green wide open. I mean, he's he not, sucks. He needs he's, to leave. He's not what he once was, but you're not just going to go leave him wide open. You still might double cover him every now and then. He still has that, you know, big play potential. He's still what? He doesn't want to be six, there four? at all. I, I, I'm not I mean, sure. I, I wouldn't just go leave him open though. I mean, you still got to factor him in to a game plan. So, obviously, the defense needs some work. Um, you know, offensive line needs some work. But, I mean, the, I, I would still pick the, the Browns to win. 
But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals pull off some sort of an upset here at home. Yeah, so this is a this is a rematch. Like this is this a game. This was a game that was winnable for the Bengals in Week Two when they played on Thursday Night Football. Uh, I love Joe Burrow. I'm glad that he actually like he is the guy for that city. I also love Miles Garrett, and I kind of want to see him swallow him. So Miles Garrett is second in the league in sacks. He's got seven on the year. Um, I'm taking the Browns here, even though I this is going to be like Army versus Appalachian State. You have an incompetent offense with only Joe Mixon, and he's out. Um, He's exactly. Out. That's my yeah, point. He like he, he's not even there. Um, you have AJ Green who doesn't want to play there and the Bengals defense is pretty shitty. Um, but the Browns have Miles Garrett. They have a couple other pieces on offense, but Baker is hurt. I mean, Case Keenum came in against the Steelers. He's got some screwed up ribs. So this is going to be, they're going to run the ball down their throat. Like this is going to be a big yeah. Kareem Hunt day guaranteed. So um, I think, the bet, like, I think the Browns are going to win outright, but I think this is one of those games that, like, guys, we've had like three episodes in a row where now we're getting into the dog days of the season, and this is going to be a game that only matters for the Bengals if they keep it close. If they win, any psycho idiot out there who's saying that the Browns are a top 10 team should be fired tomorrow if they win, but like, they uh, they got to keep it close because I everyone thinks that the Browns are going to win, but they got to keep it close. That Miles Garrett extension is looking real nice now uh, that he's yeah. performing. But um, coming off that fight last year with Mason Rudolph, like nobody wanted to touch that guy. And I feel like the Browns really took advantage to. of that. Well, I definitely wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to line up against uh, Cross from him. That's oh, for damn sure. God, no. Nah, he's, he's a scary dude. You'd be 10 feet in the ground if you wanted to cross from him. <laughs> Mason Rudolph nearly was, too. But move on to uh, the other NFC East game, the NFC least uh, Cowboys in Washington football team. Did you um, come up with that by yourself? NFC least? Yeah. Absolutely no, that, not. That's, that's been circulating, Damn yeah. Okay. That's I like, a good I like term. that. For sure. That's a good one. Worst, worst division of football, uh, another not-so-good game here in the noon 1 p.m. slot. Um, I am taking Pretty, the Cowboys on the yeah. road again. I've been taking all these road teams here this so far. Um, by the way, uh, last week I finally didn't get 10 picks right. I only got seven right last week. So uh, on a little bit of a decline there. But anyways, I'm taking the Cowboys. It's going to be 40 to 17. Hmm. No, that's no. I mean, okay. so this, this game is a contender for the, the toilet bowl game. Um, Dallas with – so with C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, they're favored by two and a half Damn. at Washington. What the fuck? Dog shit. Kyle Allen might be able to beat him. Like, there's definitely something there. And I love Chase Young, dude. That guy's – he, he's, he's awesome. But um, Ezekiel Elliott, stop fumbling the damn ball. Stop eating popcorn before you play. That's like, rough. knock it off. The, the Cowboys need this win really, really bad, obviously. Like, the, the division needs this win really bad. Um, this is the worst division in football, consistently has been. Um, please, if anybody from the Washington football team's uh, office is listening to this podcast, which is obvious they are, please do not, do not put Alex Smith back on the field. Please do not. Don't. I don't want someone to hold his leg up like a French fry. We talked about that last week, so if you didn't listen to we it already, go back, go back and listen to last week's episode, by the way. P P one more thing. One more nice thing about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott is still leading the league in yards. I kind of want to take Washington, 
my gut tells me that it's the Cowboys, but there's just something about this game that they're both, they're both not playing well. Um, Andy Cowboys, Dalton is so bad. The Cowboys just have way more offense. All right. I, I don't know. I'm going to pick Washington. Why not? I'll, I'll take Washington. Love it. Scott? Yeah, I'm torn on this game, too. Like, part of me just wants to take Washington for Anthony's reasoning. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I There's don't know absolutely can... no reason to take Washington. But <laughs> what are your reasons yeah. to take the Cowboys, either? They have too many offensive weapons that you can't ignore. Like, but you can't get the, only... the ball to them, though, with Andy Dalton. Like, That's I, I true. Get that he's so then... that and he knows the system. But like, those, those offensive weapons have led you to two wins. So yeah. Washington has half the offense and half the wins. So it's like <laughs> – Wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, Anthony, those on, that offense did lead them to two wins, but the Cowboys have the third highest scored points in the league. They have 173 with points Dak. in the year. With Dak, yeah, but, like, even though Zeke can't hold on to the goddamn ball, he, he'll – like, he, against the uh, – I, I almost said it. The Washington football team's defense, he'll get you to the red zone, and then if Andy Dalton can't do anything from there with – C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, and whoever else is on that team. There's probably another fast guy I can't remember. Like, that's embarrassing, but well, I mean, it's going to be a weird game. That token, really they, could, could, they could score 40, but, I mean, who knows if Kyle Allen and Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson might put up, you know, 42. I mean, if that defense is as bad as it really is, you know. It is the worst defense in the league. Stay in it. So, Absolutely know. the worst defense in the league. I have the Cowboys as the third best offense in the league with Dak, which is going to change. But I have them as the worst defense in the league, worse than the Jets. Awful. Terrible. Moving on. We're going to the Texans and the Packers. So I want to say a quick thing about Houston uh, battling Tennessee last week to overtime. That, the overtime, I guess the coin flip. Right, right when Derrick Henry won the coin toss and he knew he was going to take it, Deshaun Watson kind of like exasperatedly walked away because he knew he wasn't going to win. That was a hell of a fight from the Texans. They're playing the Packers at home this time, this week. Um, Packers are coming off a, a rough win, a rough loss. So I think they're going to bounce back and 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 take it uh, down here in Houston. I'm going to say it's going to be uh, 30 to 15. No, 30 to 21. Packers over the Texans. Yeah, I'm taking the Packers here. I think that the Texans are the best worst team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They have they have the bones to go to the playoffs. Fuller isn't hurt yet. I hate the running back duo. Like, I don't think they're very good at all. Um, I love Brandon Cooks. He's still doing very well. Um, that big Fells guy, he's really good. And Deshaun Watson, like, he deserves so much better. He's a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal quarterback. J.J. Watt is still somehow in the mix. But um, this is still the FU tour. This is still Aaron Rodgers' is can play like an MVP when he wants to. And it's just – so they came off that loss to the Buccaneers, but that's because somebody on that team talks some shit, and that's why they lost. But um, I think the Packers are scoring over 30 here. But it's not going to be one of those games where it's like, okay, the Texans are going to look like shit. This is going to be a game where they're like – the Packers are going to be up by two scores, but then they're going to be down by one. Like, it's going to be one of those games that's going to be hard fought until probably the fourth quarter when the Texans give up because they suck still. But – um, don't write up, don't write the Texans off just yet, but the Packers are still top four team in the league. And now that Rogers has an understudy, he's going to play his nuts off. I, I want to say Texans just because of how badly the Packers lost last week, but 
I, I feel like Rogers is going to be playing with a vengeance this weekend. Um, I don't see them scoring more than seven points against uh, scoring more than seven points against the Texans though. I mean, they are good for all the reasons that you guys have said, but I just think that the, the Packers are too good. Pack Robert Tanyan's a beast. Pack by 10. All good picks. Uh, let's move right along to the Lions and the Falcons. Uh, in Atlanta, one of the last noon slots. Um, I don't really know why, but I'm going to take Detroit on the road because I guess I'm just taking all the road teams this week. So, As you know, am I, Mr. McNano. I think Falcons. Uh, Julio Jones seems to be somewhat back from that uh, hamstring injury. Still have Calvin Ridley. Um, they're, they're like number three, four receivers have been pretty good. Russell Gage. Uh, Zacchaeus, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly sure or not, but um, he's been pretty <laughs> good. So uh, they still got Todd Gurley, who his yards per attempt have not been great. It's like 15 rushes for 65 yards, something along those lines. It seems to be pretty consistent every game, but still gives you a couple goal line touchdowns here and there. So uh, the defense leaves a lot to be desired, but I think this is one of those teams, Evan, you said that Texans were the best worst team. I think the Falcons could be in that running as well. Uh, Absolutely, just based off, I will just agree. Based, just based off record and stuff, but I'm going to take Falcons at home. Um, I think Matt Ryan, with some of his weapons back to full health, or uh, might start to pick it up a little bit. So, Anthony, here's why I'll say that, um, like, I think that the Texans are the best worst team because every game they keep it close, like they, except for against the Chiefs. But um, a couple nice things I'll say about the Falcons is that Matt Ryan is second in the league in yards. Um, Calvin Ridley is fifth in the league in receiving yards. Todd Gurley has uh, fifth in the league with five touchdowns. They definitely have a lot of offensive pieces there. Their defense sucks. But um, I am taking the Lions here. And it's not, totally not, because I picked up Matt Stafford, but it kind of is. Um, Atlanta is favored by two and a half at home. These, this is going to be a pretty good game because both of these teams, like, they have they they need to play better. Like they're going to be very very hungry for another win. It's going to be very very competitive. Um, in my opinion, like I don't know what the hell's going on with that Falcons offense. I mean, I know that they lost a head coach and a GM, so like there's a couple things that they need to figure out. But Gurley does not get enough touches. He needs to run the ball way more. I mean, I know that Matt Ryan's having a hell of a year. Like he's doing pretty well. But run the fucking ball more. He ran 20 the times ball. last week. 14, 16, 14, 21, 14. How much more do you want him to run? He's, dude, he, he can run more. He's with those knee injuries, he, though. He ran 20, yards for, uh, 20 times for 47 yards. That's 2.7 yards per carry. You want to keep that running sucks. it more? 47 yards? For 20 rushes, 47 yards. 47 yards is dog shit. That's two weeks ago, two weeks ago in, in Green Bay, 16 for 57. The week before that against Chicago, 14 for 80. The week before that was maybe his, uh, not his worst, but close, 21 for 61. And the week before Compare that was him. 14 for 56. For his yards per carry, he said one good week, 14 rushes, 121 against Carolina. That's been That's pretty much That's a Todd Gurley week. That's a Todd Gurley week. Yeah, he's look one for Carolina. six. He's one for six. Look at, look at him. Look at Todd Gurley against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's a rookie, and that guy has every offensive weapon you could possibly imagine on the Chiefs' offense. But how the hell is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a really tiny little rookie running back, doing literally better than Todd Gurley? It's because Todd Gurley doesn't run enough. Falcons line. So, I think Gurley is not that dude anymore. 
He's been nagged with knee injury since 2018. And like even going into the Super Bowl against the Pats, he was hurt. And a lot of questions about his health were thrown out there. I just don't think that the Falcons had this game. I, I feel like Patricia's going to hone in on the fact that they cannot run and they, he's going to force them to run by double covering he, the receivers. I hate to admit it, but our boy uh, Matt Patricia might be coaching for his job this season. Mm. So but I mean, had, how can you if you don't had, have a lot of pieces? Gurley has had three games averaging more than four yards a carry, four or more yards a carry. That sucks. So, and I, I wouldn't say that that means you run more considering he ran it 20 times last game. I mean, so, I get, I mean, like, maybe I'm not saying he should run more, but he's got to do something different. Should, I mean, he should be involved more in the passing game, if anything. Right. Which the last two games he has four catches for 29, three for 20 last week. So, yeah, I'd okay. say and you're absolutely right then. I I'd didn't say, know about the passing stats. I'd say take of those 20 rushes he had last week throw the ball out of the backfield three more times instead of giving him the ball to rush for another two yards. So when Gurley was still in Georgia uh, for college, he blew out his ACL and he's, like I said, he's been uh, getting a lot of minor injuries here and there, but last year he was diagnosed with arthritis in his knee. And as we know, that's not fun (laughs) now that we're getting old. Damn. I don't think I knew wow, that. Wow, you just took a tragic turn there, Scott. <laughs> well, he took That's, a tragic turn no a couple weeks ago as, talking about his torn ACL, too. So. It's no fun as we <laughs> <Yeah>. get old. <laughs> All right, well, one running back who has done uh, quite well. We, I was just talking about him. Titans and Steelers. Derrick Henry uh, is going to run all over the Pittsburgh Steelers defense that has been in Evan's top five uh, this whole season. But uh, I think this is kind of going to be uh, – this is probably going to be the best game of the week, eh? Yeah. Definitely. I think so. By far. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is going to be a real good game. There were a couple close seconds for me. Um, this was definitely, I think, my top. Uh, I also like that Seahawks-Cardinals <laughs> game. And I, did, I was intrigued yeah. by the Browns-Bengals. We already talked about that. I just think it's kind of an exciting team there with the Bengals and then Baker and the Browns kind of on the rise with their weapons. But uh, for me, I, I think Baker this is reference. definitely the, the game of the week. Uh, Steelers-Titans, you got the Steelers who have one of the best pass defense teams in terms of getting to the quarterback versus a team that's probably going to run it a lot. So they don't have to deal with that, but you got James Conner on the other side. I love him. I I don't know. I feel like this is a Steelers defense that is going to bend, but not break completely against Derrick Henry. He might put up 175 yards, but at the goal line, can the Pittsburgh Steelers do just enough? I think they have more weapons on the offensive side. They might score just a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans are hold, held to just some field goals, whereas the Steelers score some touchdowns. I'm going to take the Steelers, but it's going to be very, very, very close. So a little bit of uh, better team, myself. So a little bit of uh, team analysis here. I have the Steelers defense as the number one defense in the league, and for several reasons. I mean, T.J. Watt, unbelievable year. Bud Dupree, unbelievable name and an unbelievable year. Minka Fitzpatrick, unbelievable year. The line, they can swallow any O-line, pretty much whatever comes in their path. Titans, top 10 offense. Derrick Henry, Tractor Cito, maybe get the MVP talk starting. He's pretty fucking ridiculous. Top in the league in rushing yards, second in the league in rushing touchdowns. He's ridiculous. Like, you literally cannot tackle this guy. But – um. I wouldn't be surprised so this to see is a lot be... of play action either. You know, they're probably expecting Derrick mm-hmm. Henry to run. 
you know, play action yeah. over the middle to AJ Brown, uh, their tight end, Jonu Smith. I, he's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. Sorry to interrupt you there, Evan. No, there's another. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that guy's really good too. Um, but so on one hand, so Pittsburgh is favored by two on the road. Not going to happen. I'm taking the Titans, but even beforehand, like you have two undefeated teams. Ben Roethlisberger does not have it. He doesn't have it. What he does have is Claypool, P.J. Washington, a pretty solid tight end, James Conner, who's – I love him. I love his story. And then you have Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, he has very, very underrated weapons that you're probably not going to hear about until they're in the playoffs. Juju's um, been underwhelming, though. He yeah. has been because, like, the other guys are doing so well. Like, he's fine. He's definitely fine. Like, he's just kind of like – Last year he was supposed to be fine, too, working as the number one without Antonio Brown. And he – granted, he was hurt a lot of the year. But, I don't know, you're in year two now and he's still kind of underwhelming. Yeah, but who threw it to him? Dude, it was Miles uh, – what the hell is his name? Mason Rudolph and Duck. That's who's Definitely throwing him the like, Yeah. But, he, like, the way that I like to look at Juju and everybody else in the offense is the same way I'm going to look at um, – Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley has been doing unbelievably well this year, arguably better than Julio because everybody on the defense that they're playing, they're going to put their best guy and then probably another guy on Julio. That's wide receiver one. So that's why Calvin Ridley's getting all these looks. Juju is their number one receiver. I don't care what you say. Like that he is the number one guy right now. When you put two guys on him, you're going to find Claypool and then Claypool is going to get three touchdowns. You're going to find PJ Washington. He's going to get 89 yards handsomely. So, like, Juju is still fine, but Titans all the way. It's going to be won by a field goal, in my opinion, 33-30. Just to play devil's advocate, who was throwing the ball to Josh Gordon in Cleveland a few years back, and he still put up that. I literally don't know. Exactly. So, just to play devil's advocate, and I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a good player. Exactly. Was it Tyrod Taylor? No. Was was it Case Keenum at what point? I I think it might have been. I don't know. It was it it was Keenum. It was a revolving door of guys at yes. one point. But yes. Just to play devil's advocate, you know, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I think he's still good, but the quarterback play only goes so much into it because if you're a number one guy, you should be getting the ball pretty much every time because if you're playing uh, as your number one guy, they should be looking for you most of the time. So, I don't know. That's good point. Uh, good points brought up there. You also brought up Antonio Brown, and I'm going to take that into uh, the 305 slot. Uh, Antonio Brown – Breaking news came out of uh, uh, Tampa Bay here a couple days ago. Uh, Antonio Brown teaming back up with Tom Brady. Um, obviously, I'll, he won't be able to play this week. But um, like Scott put out on our on our Twitter feed, follow us at the Tailgate Talk. Uh, that's pretty much the last Infinity Stone. I feel like we've kind of said that already, but that feels like the last piece to that offense to really make it unstoppable. Yeah, either the last piece of the puzzle to make it unstoppable or the first piece to make it crumble, whichever that you want also, to look at it. Yeah, love that. So, I don't know. I, uh, these super teams, how often do they work? I, I guess we'll wait and see. But, I mean, enough. if nothing else, he's depth when he does come in because Godwin hasn't proven to be able to stay healthy. Granted, some of that's concussions. You don't want to mess around with that, so certainly hope that he's okay. But dealing with hamstring stuff as well. Mike Evans is always, uh, you know, a candidate for a hamstring injury or two. He's played through some stuff this season already so if nothing else he's depth um but i don't know i think they win this week against the raiders i don't think there's really disputing that i think they're finding their groove after that <sighs> output against the saints in week one but um i, I don't know I, I interesting to see 
I don't know how to evaluate that one yet with Brown. Don't be surprised if the Bucks lose. Don't be surprised. The Raiders are a lot better than they look. They're very, very good. And, I mean, I know Brady's got Derek Carr's number, and Brady just has – what's that dickhead's name? Josh Gordon's number. Not Josh Gordon. What the hell's his name? The coach. The fucking – you ain't going nowhere guy. What the hell's his name? Gruden. John Gruden. What did I say? Josh Gordon? Yeah, same guy. Grinder. Um, it's – it's not like it's it's gonna be very very close. Um, fuck Antonio Brown for going to play for the goddamn Bucks though. He's a dick for that. Just fucking nutcase. It was like the your front time yard that again. he came out of retirement, or came off a suspension. Nutcase. Um, I love Josh Jacobs on this team. It's gonna be a very good game. I'm taking the Bucks, thirty-one to thirty. It's gonna be really really close. It's gotta be Super Bowl or bust for the Buccaneers at this point with what they have. Like. I don't know. I, I see this game as a big test to how far they can get in the playoffs because that Raiders offense is cooking right now. Um, I don't know. I, I think when push comes to shove, I think the Buccaneers win this game by less than a touchdown. But um, yeah, I'm taking the Bucs. Yep, Bucks uh, all day. Moving on, we've got three games in this 325-425 slot. Evan was delighted to report that snow was in the fo- forecast in Denver. Uh, once again, I am taking the road team. Go with the Kansas City Chiefs here. Same, Chiefs, 29-20. I don't think that maybe on Bell gets involved in the game, but I think regardless, I Not think this team is killing the Broncos. Got to murder them. And I'm going to love to see it. Chiefs defense has been uh, very underrated this season, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think this is going to be kind of a blowout. 28-7, to seven, something nice. along those lines. I have a sort of similar score for the Chargers and the Jaguars. Um, I've been really impressed with Justin Herbert. And, uh, you know, Gardner Ministry does some things. But uh, finally, I'm going to take a home team here. I'm taking the Chargers. Same. Uh, this is my toilet bowl game. Chargers favored by eight on the road. Uh, Herbert needs a win. He's very, very good. Home. Their um, – what do you call it? Their defense is too good to be ignored. I think they're getting a lot of, you know, guff because of their quarterback is really, really ugly. But I'm taking the Chargers 24-10. Yeah, but this defense, is a toilet bowl game. Defense is good without Derwin James. Um, yeah, they're very which has good. Been tough. This was not my toilet bowl game. I'm actually kind of intrigued. I think Minshew's better than um, you know he gets credit for, and Herbert's been really good, like Cole said. I think it's kind of a shootout, though. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is kind of both in the 30s. James Robinson has been a good running back for the Jags. Um, their receivers are, are somewhat talented. So I'm looking to score in the 30s here. I think uh, Jaguars actually win it probably like 38-31. I think we're getting to what you guys just said. I, I, I think that both teams are horrible, but I feel like their defenses aren't going to be a lot, like, very prevalent in the game. But uh, that being said, I feel like the Chargers might have the slight advantage with Hoodie Allen. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Chargers by a touchdown. Very nice. Uh, the last game in this 325 slot, we have uh, plenty to t- plenty to say about this game, I'm sure. But uh, 49ers, Pats, Jimmy G's return to New England. Um, Cam is coming back, right? Oh, Cam he was back. back. He was already back last week. So uh, what are our thoughts on uh, Jimmy G returning to uh, his former home? Bill He's going to have a lot against, to prove. Yeah, Bill coaching against his former player, knows him inside out, the guy he probably – wanted to keep around if possible 49ers traveling across country Patriots finally with a full week of practice 49ers will give it a good test but Pats win by four 
Yeah, I'm taking the Pats winning by a field goal. Uh, favor, uh, they're favored by two and a half at home. We absolutely need this win after losing to the shit-ass Broncos. Um, Garoppolo's going to be angry. He's going to have a lot to prove, especially coming back to Foxborough and especially being, you know, Brady's understudy for so long. Um, the O-line was absolutely dog shit for in- New England, and you can't have that after, a, like, a COVID-ridden, possibly injury-prone Cam Newton who doesn't have any offensive weapons still. Um, you, we got to do better. Like, as a Patriots fan, this is a Patriots podcast. We've admitted it numerous times. Um, I'm going to be nervous about George Kittle. He's going to have a lot against the Pats D, but, again, I'm taking the Pats. The Pats losing last week makes what Tennessee has done all ma- more impressive considering how riddled they've been. But, I mean, they're yeah. 5-0, and and the yeah. Pats couldn't do anything last week after having no practice. Scott, continue. Well, that's because the whole offense revolves around Cam, and I think just losing him individually like impacts the entire offense. But I think regarding the game against the 49ers, I think this is going to be a dogfight where it's going to be decided in the trenches. I think simply whoever gets the pass rush off better is going to win. And I, I've been impressed with the Pats' pass rush on third down specifically. I think the packages with – uh, Winovich and mostly Winovich on third down. Um, he, he gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback and he can, he's fast enough to go off the edge and fight the tackles for the pressure. And I, I think that he's been one guy who I've been kind of zeroing in on as the guy on defense to do that. And I don't know, like not having Nick Bosa uh, on the 49ers is, is a big, big step down from where they were a year ago, but, I think they, push comes they, to shove. They traded that guy to Indianapolis too, uh, right? Uh, Buckner was it? Buckner, almost positive, something like that. I don't know. Yep, sure. We're Early gonna say that it was. Uh, yeah. Finally, it seems like we finally get a, a good primetime game on Sunday night. Here later tonight, we'll have the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I am I am billing this one to be a shootout there in the desert. Um, yep. Although I am going to take the road team. What a surprise! I pegged this as my close game of the week. You could look at the 5-0 and teams, Steelers, Titans, but I think this is maybe the most exciting. Uh, you got Kyler Murray and DeAndre facing off against arguably the best quarterback in the league, uh, maybe the, turning into one of the best offenses in the league with DK Metcalf and um, Tyler Lockett. Chris Carson is an underrated running back. I think the Cardinals <laughs> win, uh, hand the Seahawks their first loss of the season, even though the Seahawks are coming off the bye, should be well-rested, they're pretty healthy, whatever. But um, I don't know. I think Cardinals and DeAndre and Kyler Murray, Kenyon Drake put up a, a big offensive game. And that defense is pretty good too. Cardinals yeah. are a very weird team. Um, Seattle's favored by three and a half on the road. I'm taking Seahawks 34 to 28, uh, a score that everybody on this podcast is very familiar with. Um, Got to give love to Kenyon Drake. He's playing a lot better. Um, I do not care about their win last week against the Cowboys. That means absolutely nothing. Um, this is going to be a, like I think the Seahawks are going to handily give them a win. I mean, handily like they're going to handily give the Cardinals a loss. But if, if the Cardinals keep it close, it should be very interesting. Totally agree with you that Chris Carson is completely underrated. He is on my fantasy team. That's not why I'm saying that. DK Metcalf is turning into the next Megatron. He's an absolute beast. Still love Bobby Wagner. I think if any defense is going to catch up to Kyler Murray and how fast he is, it's definitely going to be the Seahawks. And um, that's all I have. I'm going to stop talking. One of the best. Keep in mind that Jamal Adams is out for this game. I think that's a big fold in the picture. That mm-hmm. uh, that Cardinals offense is so modular in the fact that they could just run that RPO and decide on the fly like where the the hole is. And I think that that purely is the 
is the way to beat that Seattle defense with how good it's been. I'm taking the cards. All righty. There you go. There's a Sunday slate tomorrow night in prime time. Bears and Rams. Uh, that would be a pretty good battle to see in the wild as well, I feel like. But um, I'm going to take the Bears here. Uh, what a surprise. They're the road team again. But um, like we've kind of talked about, they're, they're kind of up and down and kind of fraudulent. But uh, I'm – I'm I'm riding I'm riding the Nick Foles train I suppose here this week. This is a weird game. I'm taking the Rams. Yeah, yeah. I got nothing to say. This is a really weird game. Yeah, just to make it quick, uh, Rams definitely. I think uh, I think the Bears. I mean, there's only so much luck that can really be involved when you're five and one. But at the same time, I think it's pretty consensus that the Bears aren't as good as they've been playing, and I think it's going to kind of show this week. So Rams by ten. I have a very particular prediction for this game, and I don't want the hate that's going to initially going to come my way, but I think that this game is going to end in a tie. I, I legitimately do not think that the Bears – Scott, where, where, when you wake up in the morning and you look at the schedules, what inspires you to say, oh, I'm going to pick this game as a tie? Like, really? Really? Like, why do you have to do that, guy? Why? Why? Everybody I mean, needs that one. Guy. wrench in it. Oh, like, <laughs> but, um, like, really? No, but, like, I, I don't see any team out, outright beating each other. Like, You've lost all credibility picking a tie. I didn't have any credibility to begin with. That's it. I, I mean, I buy it. I buy your explanation, at least. I, I see where you're coming from. Or no, no one team can beat the other one. So, that puts a bow on it. Uh, sorry we had to rush through a little bit. But that was the, uh, the week in, in NFL here. Uh, thanks for joining along. Hit us up at thetailgatetalk.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok. At the tailgate talk. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any parting thoughts here, boys? I appreciate your time, everybody. Rays, go Rays! I want to see the Rays win the World Series. That's what I want. I do too. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I don't know. We need right. talk Bass. about it. That is my comment. We need Mookie Bass. There we go. Thanks. That puts a bow on it. Thank you, boys, for your time. Thanks for following along, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you guys. See you. Thank you.